The Cincinnati Reds break spring training camp in nine days, and there will be some surprises on the active roster. There's also a correct way for the Reds to implement their new plan to compete, and we've got it all for you today on the Locked on Reds podcast. Let's go. You are Locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and my co-host, Stephen Offenbaker. We have podcasted about this Reds team for over three years now and remain quite addicted to the goings-on of Reds baseball day in and day out. Locked On Reds is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We are free and available on all platforms. On today's podcast, we lay out how the Reds should execute their plan of winning without spending big on free agents. But first, let's focus on this opening day roster, Steve, and we'll look at the position players who will bring camp and be there on opening day when they are in Atlanta. And I believe we should start with the infielders, but I kind of want to hash this out because when we're breaking camp on opening day, there's going to be 28 players on the roster. I believe that's going to be broken down into 15 pitchers and 13 position players. So in that 13 player breakdown, is it as easy as seven and six or is it seven infielders and six outfielders or is it eight infielders and five outfielders or are we going to break camp with 13 outfielders? How, how do you think this is going to roll? The way, the way that David Bell works, I wouldn't rule out that possibility, but <laughs> no, I think that, you know, David Bell basically said without saying that he's taking 15 pitchers with him on the opening series. I think that's just the way that that's going to happen. So, you know, how do they break down the remaining spots? I think you are looking at seven infielders and six outfielders, uh, basically just based on the makeup of who's still in camp, who they've given guaranteed deals to, and who we think is going to be able to fill the most glaring needs that they have at this time. Yeah, I agree. And I, I'd say with the seven infielders, this one's a little bit easier to predict than the outfield. Uh, mostly because you have a ton of vets on the infield. You have Joey Votto, obviously. I don't think it's a hot take saying he's going to break camp with the team. Uh, Jonathan India, not a hot take. Mike Moustakis, Kyle Farmer, Tyler Stevenson, and then one other guaranteed contract breaks camp with them, and that's Donovan Solano. The other guy that has to, I mean, has to, I, I don't understand how else this would happen, would be the backup catcher, who I I believe is going to be RMS Garcia. He has shown through this spring and looks to be like a solid number two catcher option. But those are your seven guys, and I think that leaves a couple of obvious odd men out. Uh, is that crazy? I think that's... No, I think... I think that's probably right. Yeah, you know, and then the backup catcher thing. Listen, Kyle Farmer is not throwing on that gear. No. As much as we would like him to be the super utility and maybe even do that a little bit, um, he's going to be the shortstop uh, at least in the near term and probably for most of the season. I think just that's the way it's going to be. So they yeah. got to have a backup catcher. And if we're we're going to have to choose between Garcia and Knapp, uh, what I've seen so far, I think it's Garcia. Yeah, I agree. And I think the the whole catcher ability uh, thing with Kyle Farmer is going to go by the wayside. I think it's just going to be a nice little talking point for broadcasters, especially national broadcasters and visiting broadcasters when they talk about the Cincinnati Reds, because I would be surprised. I don't know. We might have to come up with a creative bet on this because 
I'd be surprised if he is behind uh, the plate at all this year. I, I don't think it's going to happen. Extra innings, crazy situation. Yeah. You know, inning number 18 with Ghost Runner starting on first, second, third, and, uh, you know, in the on-deck circle. I don't know. They're going to – it would have to take a very unique situation, I think, to get Kyle Farmer behind the plate this season. Which leaves one specific odd man out, and that's a guy who currently has a big league contract. It's Colin Moran. I don't know where he fits on this roster. I, I, I really don't. He, he doesn't unless there's an injury between now and the start of the season. I think that uh, Colin Moran was brought in with the idea that they needed to have a little bit more depth until this roster really shook out. And, and the way that we have it broken down here with the infielders, I think that that's probably the way the team does go. And, and Colin probably doesn't accept a minor league assignment and probably um, moves along. Which is fine with me. He's been a replacement level player for his entire career. So that's kind of whatevs. I, you know, I also look at obviously Alejo Lopez. We talked about him yesterday. He was sent down. It's going to be interesting to see. And we'll talk a little bit more about this guy in just a moment. But Max Schrock also looks to be an odd man out in this. And it sucks because I'm a big fan of Max Schrock. Um, And you're talking about just a couple of other dudes that really, even just two weeks ago, I, thought we'd see on this roster and, and they're just they're not going to be there we're, we're not seeing uh guys like Colin Moran make this team unless for some reason he actually does carry eight infielders with him because number one Colin Moran ain't playing in the outfield Donovan Solano might but of all mm-hmm. the people that we've listed that's the only guy that I could see have any sort of positional flexibility now when Barrero comes back that's going to be a thing Jose Barrero can play the outfield but who's he take over on this roster? That's going to be another question, uh, another answer that'll be interesting to uh, kind of see unfold. Yeah, coming up here when we talk about the outfield, um, that's where things get really complicated because if Colin Moran is somebody that they really want to keep around, uh, the sacrifice of the position probably comes from that outfield group. And I know one thing's pretty for certain, if the Reds are going to put the best outfield possible on the field, Nick Crawl is going to have to, he's going to have to have some big intestinal fortitude to make it happen. And uh, if you want to build your intestinal fortitude, let me tell you about Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens uh, is the sponsor of today's podcast. A big shout out to them. Uh, their flagship product is called AG1. And it helps to improve your overall metabolism, helps give you better sleep, and it just overall really helps you to feel better. So you're probably asking yourself, what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It just covers all of the things. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews and is recommended by professional athletes and trusted by leading health experts. 
It's cheaper than getting all of the different supplements yourself at your local nutrition store and investing uh, in those things. And instead, it gives you kind of an all-in-one nutritional insurance policy. Uh, right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the cold and flu season. That's a new thing that is back. Uh, we're going back to uh, seeing flu. So you want to build your immune system. Just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills. No need for a million different supplements uh, to look out for your health. Uh, to make it easy, AG1 is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is head over right now to athleticgreens.com slash MLB network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash MLB network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutrition insurance. Make sure you give the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast a listen after today's show. Lindsey Graham is a minor league encyclopedia and will keep you up to date on the up-and-coming players as well as some college baseball talk as well. The Locked On MLB Prospects podcast is free and available on all platforms, just like Locked On Reds. Also, make sure you are following us on Twitter. You can follow me at S. Offenbaker. You can follow Jeff at Jeff Carr, and that is Jeff with one, two, three F's. Uh, you can also follow the show at Locked on Reds. Also make sure you head over to YouTube and click that subscribe button. Uh, all throughout the season, there will be exclusive video content that you're not going to want to miss and it will only be available right there on YouTube. All right, Jeff, we talked about the infielders and how we think that there probably will be seven of them. And as we now work our way through this outfield, uh, I think it'll be a little bit more apparent why we went with the seven, six split because, uh, the outfield's not really as full of easy decisions either. I think there's a few players that you can look at and say that these guys are making the team. Uh, Tommy Pham is going to make this team. They just gave him a guaranteed deal for big money uh, as far as their free agent signings go. So Tommy Pham, that's your left fielder, man. Easy call. Uh, also, easy call. Also making this team, uh, if healthy, is Nick Senzel. This is going to be a prove-it year for him. Uh, we've talked about what he needs to do. I am counting on 150 games from Nick Senzel in center field. That will make things a lot easier for David Bell as he's building out this lineup. Uh, then it gets a little bit more murky. I think that Jake Fraley is probably safe. Uh, he came over in that big trade with the Seattle Mariners. He's going to be in there against right-handed pitching. Uh, there's going to be some type of platoon out in left field. Nick Crawl alluded to it on the broadcast a couple days ago when he was talking to John Sadak. Uh, Fraley is uh, a big player as far as their uh, platoon aspirations. Uh, also, Tyler Naquin is going to be out there against right-handed pitching, patrolling right field. Uh, he's got great numbers against the right-handed pitching. But again, he's going to need to be platooned. Uh, if they're running him out there every day against left-handers, it's a real problem. Now we get into the gray area, Jeff. We get into the, the remaining spots that are a little bit more difficult to put a finger on because uh, they're going to have to ask themselves, is it finally time to give up on the experiment that is Aristides Aquino? Uh, is it finally time to cut bait on Shogo Akiyama? Uh, it's a big contract. Bob Castellini does not like to pay people to do nothing, but they really do need that roster spot. And he's going to get his money either way. And I feel like the right move here is to probably part ways with him to make a space for some of the people that fall into the odd man out category. Yeah, and I, I think if you don't do it now, 
you're going to do it later whenever rosters contract down to 26. I just don't see a scenario where he plays all year in a Reds uniform. And I, I hate to say that because I really wanted to see him succeed here. But when you look at this outfield, you've got two right-handers in Pham and Senzel, two lefties in Fraley and Naquin. So you kind of want to keep it even. I mean, we're talking about a team that struggled mightily against left-handed pitching this last year. And for better or for worse, Aristides Aquino actually hits left-handed pitching a little bit. So you probably going to end up carrying him at least on opening day. Then it, for me, it becomes a question mark of three guys. Is it Akiyama? Is it TJ Friedel, who has been on fire this spring training? And he showed in very limited time this last season what he could do. Or is it Max Schrock, who definitely does not have anywhere near the fielding prowess in the outfield? He can only play left field as far as I'm concerned. You're not going to put him in right field because he doesn't have an arm. And his bat is awesome. He's got the pop and he can hit. But overall, are you picking him over Shogu Akiyama? I don't think so. I think the question for me is, is it TJ Friedel or is it Shogo? And, and that's the tough one. You know, Jeff, here's the way that I would like to see it play out. Um, not necessarily think this is what they're going to do, but here's what I would like to have happen. I think it's time to cut Shogo Akiyama. Yeah. I think that uh, what we know about Aristides Aquino is that he could possibly, potentially, maybe squint and see him running into one and hitting a home run. He has a little bit of danger to him. What we do know is that Shogo Akiyama has yet to run into one. And you can't rely on him to be a bat off of the bench. So I think if you're going just from that alone, uh, Aristides Aquino wins out and you cut Shogo. Now, when you talk about TJ Friedel versus Max Schrock, I would rather that they went with Max Schrock Send TJ Friedel down, let him get every day at bats, let him keep looking at pitching, let him be ready in case one of these other guys gets injured and you need to bring him back up here and insert him and have him ready to play. Don't want to see him languish on the bench and get an occasional pitch hit, an occasional start, and not continue to develop. Uh, I like Max Schrock because he does lend a little bit of flexibility. I think you're right. You probably can't stick him in right field for very long because he would get exposed because of his arm. But he could go out there in the late innings. He could go cover an eighth and ninth inning in right field. He could also get a start and left and he helps you on the infield. So I think with that flexibility, with that ability to, to be slotted in and help things out, he's the guy that you want on the roster over the others. Yeah. And, and I like the bench bat because we're talking about the sixth outfielder at this point. Like you're not going to rely on this guy. If you're relying on the sixth outfielder, that means you've got a lot of other injuries and you probably have already called up TJ Friedel. And you probably already called up Lorenzo Cedrola and some other guys as well. But I also look at this, and the interesting part of this equation is going to be, do the Reds simply pick the people with options and send them down? Because both TJ Friedel and Max Schrock have options. TJ Friedel has multiple options, and Max Schrock only has one. The interesting part about that also is you play in the idea that there is a limited amount of times you can bring up and send down a guy this year. They limit it to five times during the entire season. So, like it or not, that's something you've got to factor in to guys that you now send down. You can't. There's a, there's not going to be any more CNL Perez, uh, you know, freeway there between AAA and Major League Baseball. It's, it's not, or you know, between Louisville and Cincinnati. So I I wonder because I think if everything were equal, and we've said this a couple of times, but if everything were equal, I think Shogo is the odd man out here. But I wonder if they just hang on a little bit longer. They keep them on the string a little bit longer and send down the guys with options. 
You know, it'll be interesting, Jeff, because this is a real opportunity for Castellini to make at least a half-hearted attempt to to put a little bit of teeth in the words that he spoke the other day to Tommy Thrall. If this really is about competing, if this really is about trying to win, if Nick Crawl is correct and this team is being constructed to compete for a 2022 playoff appearance, show goes your man out. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really should be because... Honestly, outside of the glove, I can't tell you what he does. He still doesn't hit fastballs. And in fact, they've talked about like he changed his approach and he's starting his swing and he's trying to shorten up his swing and all this other stuff. He still looks like he's behind on any fastballs he's facing in spring training. So from based on that, I I don't know that he's ever going to get to that point. I think that we have seen the Shogo experience and it kind of is what it is. It's a failed experiment. Yeah. Failed experiment. It is what it is at this point. And I really would rather see more TJ Friedel or Max Schrock. And and Schrock, in tiny amounts of playing time this spring, has looked phenomenal as well. He just has that pop on his bat. And you want that off the bench. You don't want a dude that comes in and his upside is a single to shallow right field or shallow left field. It's nice that Shogo can kind of duck it into all fields if he's not trying to hit a fastball. But... At the end of the day, what do you want? You want Max Schrock on your bench and giving you some pop when you need it in the late innings. You're not wrong. I think that uh, we've got a pretty good handle on what the outfield should look like. And now it's really just a question of will Bob Castellini uh, get behind it and do the things that need to happen to put a winner on the field? Yeah, because... Let's be honest, outside of Tommy Pham, it's an outfield of question marks. And the biggest question is who provides the most depth? And I don't think Shogo is in that conversation. With all of Bob Castellini's messaging, kind of like we mentioned, we talked about yesterday as well. uh, There's a very clear plan that should be in place. We break that plan down in just a moment. Thanks again for making Lockdown Reds your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Make sure that you're subscribed. I apologize again about not posting the video yesterday. I had some technical difficulties. And speaking of technical difficulties, uh, Steve's power went out as we tried to go into this third segment. So he's not going to be along to discuss this with me. We'll probably rehash his thoughts on some of this stuff here on tomorrow's podcast, but I wanted to kind of wrap up our thoughts that we had about Bob Castellini's interview that he gave Tommy Thrall, because what he said and and what the messaging that we tried to help clarify for him a little bit yesterday uh, has a very clear plan that the Reds should execute the way that they should be moving forward. And actually, I kind of thought Nick Crawl was already starting this plan this year until he just said, no, we're not trading Luis Castillo and Tyler Malley. Although I don't think that's true. I think they're still probably going to at least explore opportunities throughout the season to see what kind of deals they can make for the two pitchers because I don't necessarily believe they will get either one signed to a long-term contract. I think Luis Castillo is too expensive for the Reds at this point. And I believe that Tyler Malley might be as well. We'll have to see. And the reason that I think they are too expensive is because I believe that moving forward, the Cincinnati Reds, at least under this current ownership regime, 
are only ever going to have one large contract. I believe that Joey Votto's current contract is the kind of the ceiling for average annual value. I don't think you'll ever see a Cincinnati Reds player making $30 million a year until there's new ownership. If there's like a Steve Cohen type guy that buys the Reds, which would love to see that by the way. But until that happens, this is what you're going to see one big contract. And I believe, and we'll talk about this a little bit more when Steve's back tomorrow, but I believe that's Jonathan India. I don't necessarily know what, I mean, maybe Tyler Stevenson has an argument, but looking at it right now. If the Reds were to give out Joey Votto's contract to a player currently on the roster, Jonathan India is far and away the favorite to get that contract. Then you might have one other contract of like 10 million average annual value or plus, you know, 10 million or more per year that is giving to a guy who has been brought up through the farm system and has, you know, awesome talent. So maybe that is the deal that Tyler Stevenson gets, but I don't think you're talking about two $20 million players. In fact, you might have Jonathan India making 20 plus, and then you might see another guy getting like 12, 13, 14 million average annual value. And then I think that's it so far as double digit annual value, because this whole plan is designed for the Reds to win, but also to not be crazy high on payroll. I think you're probably talking about like a one, uh, $110 million payroll moving forward. That's about where they are right now. And that's about where I think they will stay so far as their ceiling is concerned. You're not going to see any more free agent contracts like the ones they gave out to Nick Castellanos and Mike Mostakis. That's just not going to happen. Under this current ownership regime, you're not going to see $16, $18 million a year given out to free agents. They will be to retain players that have been brought up through the Reds farm system, and that's it. I also think that they will spend most of their money. They will spend a lot more money on development. They will spend a lot more money on prospects, talking about you know international drafts, uh, international scouting, things like that. They will continue to pour into that as much or more as they currently are. I mean, we've seen how they've restructured. Even Nick Crawl has restructured the development programs for the Reds, whether you're talking about pitching, hitting, uh, international stuff. I, I think that will be the focus Moving forward, we, they talk about it all the time. They want to focus on drafting and developing talent and not so much free agency or trading for big contracts. You're just not going to see that that much. This one's another one, and, th- and this one's going to be kind of a tough pill to swallow for Reds fans because it's going to be a little bit hard to buy your favorite player's jersey. But Tampa Bay does this with marked success. They are constantly in the playoff conversation. Now, they haven't won a World Series yet, but the way that they do things is the way that they have to do things in Tampa Bay. You have to trade away all players, no discernment here, without a long-term contract when they have two years of control left. That's why I think that they should be, if they aren't already exploring trade candidates for a trade, you know, partners for Luis Castillo and for Tyler Malley, because if they're not going to sign them long-term, then what's the point? If they're not going to be here in 2024 and 2025, what's the point? That's what they should be doing. And that is how you maintain a low enough payroll 
while also still being competitive. Plus, you got to get the trades right. You can't be making, you know, Jay Bruce trades. You can't be making Johnny Cueto trades. You cannot be making trades that you then whiff on. You have to nail draft picks. You have to absolutely get those right. And then you have to absolutely hit on your trades. You can't be making bad trades and bad draft picks because that is what happened from 2014 through 2019. They all kind of came together and formed this just hodgepodge pile of garbage that didn't win. You can't do that. And the, and the last one, um, once you get a roster, which I believe is you know, 2024, when you get that roster full of players that you've developed that are cost-controlled and, and, and pretty reasonable at that, then you plug the holes with free agent deals that – Tommy Pham's deal is the ceiling. Seven and a half million. You have six million for this year, a $1.5 million buyout with a mutual option for a year two. Probably something similar moving forward for the free agent deals to plug the holes because obviously you're not going to develop a perfect team year in and year out. You're going to have holes that you need to fill via free agency, but you're not going to be talking about the Reds signing guys from the top 10 lists of free agents anymore. That's not going to happen. I understand that. I think we as Reds fans need to understand that, that unless, you know, Bob sells the team, unless this current ownership group changes, this is how things have to be done if the Reds are going to remain competitive year in and year out, eliminating peaks and valleys. I get it. We want the peaks, but we don't want the valleys. So you have to have sustained success. And in the Reds' position, this is what that looks like. So if they are not being true to this, this is where this is important, though. The trading away of players that don't have long-term contracts when they have two years of control left. That's going to sting, but they've got to do it, and they've got to do it shrewdly. And then we keep talking about the, or we keep hearing Nick Crawl, and we heard Jerry DePoto giving quotes about this player to be named later that's coming from Seattle. We'll have to see what this is because apparently it's huge. Apparently everybody's like freaking out about it. Seattle hates the fact that they're losing this guy. Nick Crawl's talking about how awesome it's going to be. We'll have to see. But they have to hit on all trades. They cannot take trades off. Cannot trade Tucker Barnhart for Nick Quintana anymore. Can't happen. And that is where the challenge lies. That's going to wrap this up, though. I hate the fact that Steve didn't get to finish the podcast with me, but that's going to wrap it up for this edition of Locked on Reds. Coming up on the next podcast, we'll see what can be gleaned from the Reds games against the Cubs and the Rangers that are coming up. Uh, it's coming, we recorded before the Cubs game on Tuesday or on Monday night. And then um, the Rangers game should be done by the time we record on Tuesday night. So that's what's coming up on the next Lockdown Reds podcast. Thanks for making Lockdown Reds your first listen. Now make Lockdown MLB your second listen. Paul Francis Sullivan, please call him Sully, brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues, both past and present. That's the Lockdown MLB podcast, just like Lockdown Reds, free and available wherever you get your podcast. Steve's power might be out. And we're a little over a week from opening day, but we are locked on Reds every single day.